Gospels to Mark chapter 9. We'll be there in just a moment. Um, I had planned on, I had planned on uh, wrapping up this series today, but I'm going to go one more week. Um, we've been talking about doing it wrong. You ever done it wrong before? My goodness, I've done, I've done more wrong than I've done right, I think, in my life. But just kind of to go over some of this, we've covered a lot of things. If we're constantly worried about our, our image and have a competitive nature, we're doing it wrong. If we have good intentions rather than God intentions, we're doing it wrong. If we are perpetually fearful, we are doing it wrong. If we're living out our faith void of joy, we are doing it wrong. And if we feel like we have to, have to constantly earn God's favor because we le- live with guilt... We are doing it wrong. And then last week we talked about if we're living out a partial surrender to God and try to avoid suffering for His name, we are doing it wrong. Today, you know, I want to cover this, this uh, reality I think that many of us are guilty of in our faith is that trying to do things in our own strength, we're doing it wrong. Perpetually, constantly trying to do things my own way and in my own strength and in my own abilities and then look around one day and say, God, why am I so tired, frustrated, and irritated about things? Why is it that I feel like I want to quit, give up, and, and just go my own way and just forget everything you asked me to do? Usually we get that way when we've done it on our own and uh, have, have, uh, have messed up miserably. So in Mark chapter 9, an example for us today, the disciples tried to do things in their own power one time. And three of the four Gospels talk about this account. Jesus invites Peter, James, and John to go with him to the top of the Mount of Transfiguration. And while they're all up there seeing awesome things with God, powerful things with God, down the mountain there's an experience happening where a man brings his son to the disciples to lay hands on to cast a demon out of, and they were not able to do it. And so as we look, we pick up right there where Jesus in Mark chapter 9 beginning in verse 19 says, O unbelieving generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. Now, how many of you ever ever felt like Jesus felt that way about you? (laughs) I'm sure there's been more than one time in my life where I'm trying to serve God in some things, and he's been like, Bob, are you serious? How long do I have to put up with you? Probably some of y'all felt that way about me too, probably. Preacher, how long are we going to have to put up with this guy? He's here every Sunday. But let's read on. Mark 9, verse 20. So they brought him. When the Spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? I love this. The father says from childhood, uh, Jesus, this, this demon, this spirit, sees Jesus and goes, uh-uh, and throws the kid on the floor. And Jesus don't overreact. He says, so how long has he been like this? You ever met somebody's kid and wanted to ask that question? <laughs> so how long have they been like this? <laughs> From childhood. <laughs> I know people have asked that about my kids before. It probably was asked about me. You know, what's this kid here? What's wrong with this one? But anyway, this, this kid's throwing himself on the floor and he's, he's having a seizure and freaking out. And, and Jesus is, it just walks up. So how long has he been this way? It is often throwing him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can do anything. Folks, I've been here where this man is at. You all know our story. You know, most of you do. With my son in prison. I've been here. Lord, (laughs) are you going to do anything? This is a serious moment. 
Amen? And the disciples weren't able to. And Jesus, this man looks at him and says, is there anything you can do? In verse 23, if you can, Jesus says, if you can. The guy says, if there's anything you can do. Jesus says, if you can. Jesus said, everything is possible for him who believes. Now, I imagine the eyes of Christ is looking at this father, but, but if, he had, if he had a weird eye, he's probably looking at the disciples and this guy at the same time. Telling him, you need to believe that I can do this, and also telling the disciples, where's your faith? And he's looking at them and he's saying this, everything is possible. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my belief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the evil spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and he stood up. After Jesus, here's what we've got to catch today. Verses 28 and 29. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. Now, other versions of this story in Matthew, the scripture was taken out in the newer versions because they say they believed it was added by scribes to compare it to Mark chapter 9. So what it says in Matthew, I believe 17, it says this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. You'll find it in the King James Version. You will not find it in the NIV and some of the others, but, but you will find it in the King James. It's, it's kind of one of those uh, scriptures where the newer versions, they took it out because there's a discrepancy there. The reality of it is they think, well, they put it in there for it to line up more with Mark, Mark's writing. Either way, it doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is, is that, that there's a reality here that the disciples wanted to do something. The disciples wanted to do something that they had done before. They weren't able to do it that day. And Jesus said, there's a deeper calling that you have to find for this to take place. Now, I don't, what I don't want to set up today, what I'm fearful of setting up today, is I don't want to set up some kind of a, a, a thing where I, I say, you know, things don't work out exactly like you think every time, uh, that it's your fault. Okay? I'm not one of those people. Uh, but I will tell you this, there, there, there are times that our faith plays a role in it. And there are times where you can have all the faith in the world that God has ordained us to go through some stuff and he just doesn't intervene like you want him to. I've been there before too. That's why I always fall back to Deuteronomy 29, 29, where it says uh, the, 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 things are given to, the things revealed to us are for us, our children, the generation, generation, whatever. And then after that, it says, and the secret things belong to the Lord. There are some things God has revealed to us, and then there are some things that the Lord leaves secret, leaves secret to us. I can't tell you why. Not every person that has hands laid on them is healed, but, but I know God does heal. He can heal. In the secret times, the things I don't understand, there are times that's just up to God. Amen? So if you're in a situation, please don't take this message this morning and beat yourself up with it and say, well, it's my fault. Some people like to look at this passage and they blame the Father, and others like to blame the disciples. They blame the father and say, well, the father didn't have the faith. And until he got the faith, then he was healed. And then they'd like to blame the disciples and say, well, they didn't have faith. And if they'd had faith enough, then the boy would have been healed. What I want us to gather today is not to point blame and point fingers. The call of Christ was to prayer. There's a deeper anointing and a deeper level of intimacy with God. When we, when we can tap into a deeper level of intimacy with God, there is a flow of spiritual power that is there that we didn't have before. I think the tendency for us is that the disciples, what they had dealt with, they were sent out two by two. 
Uh, we have two accounts of that, two by two, the twelve, and two by two, seventy. They were sent out to do miraculous things and to do powerful things for God. They come back, remember, they rejoiced and they said, Lord, the, the, the sick were healed and, and demons listened to us and responded to us. And he said, don't rejoice in these things, rather rejoice that your name is written down in heaven. Right? That's in the book, correct? So they have been here, they've done this. So they thought, wow, I'm going to go ahead and lay hands. This is no big deal, it's just a demon. Demons listen to us. And it didn't work this time. And the only thing that I can gather is that Jesus was teaching them that there comes a point that I draw, you have to come and draw from a deeper well. You have to, at some point, dig deeper. Folks, there are times where it doesn't matter how loud you shout, how loud you pray, how fast you run. It doesn't matter what you do. There are times where it doesn't matter. You're not going to change anything. There comes a point where we have to lean on something greater than ourselves. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you do. I can tell you this about about these, these men and this boy. You can't beat the devil out of him. Now, there's times you may want to beat the devil out of him. Amen. Anybody ever threaten your kid if you don't knock it off? I'm going to beat the devil out of you. Or is that just me, girl? I'm, no, I'm just kidding. Alyssa, I just beat the devil out of her every day. Worthless, beat, scream. No. You can't manipulate the devil out of somebody. These disciples, they can, listen, they had to tap into a deeper anointing in God. It's that simple. This kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. This kind only comes out by prayer. Meaning this, this type only comes out with, with a, a relationship that's deeper with the Father. It is way too common for all of us to go through our daily lives and not pursue God on that level. And it's way too common for us to do the work of God, whether it be teaching a Sunday school class, whether it be working with the teens or kids or whatever it may be you, you may be doing in ministry. It's real easy to, to fall back in our own knowledge, and our own strength, and our own understanding. Listen, folks, I'm, I'm a minister. I get invites to conferences, I get in, and I go to conferences. I go to things where they, they teach me how to do church, okay? I get taught how to preach and teach. I get taught how to, how to set up things. But listen, there comes a point when paradigms and structures and plans and programs are not going to meet the need. What matters is when somebody finally gets serious enough with God that they fall on their face before Him and they begin to pursue Him and desire a deeper relationship with Him. And then when the Spirit moves through that person's life, that's when things become effective. Structures, paradigms, all that stuff, that's good, whatever. we got to have that in some respect. But folks, if we depend completely upon ourselves, then that is not going to work. We're doing it wrong. If we're like the disciples and we depend upon an anointing from yesterday to work today without seeking Him deeper in that day, then we're going to fail miserably and we're doing it wrong. People say, preacher, I got saved. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit back in 1942. Well, good for you. You see, here's the problem with our Pentecostal doctrine. We make it about what happens right here. Folks, it ain't about what happens right here. It's about what happens when the little demon-possessed kid comes to you. Are you in tight enough with the Father to react in the way you need to react? Are we in a place where, well, I can't, i got to go to church and get my worship on first, and then after I've been to church, then maybe I can come back and pray for the little devil. No! We've, we've, we've We've got to be ready daily 
Amen? If this, if this is the experience, yeah, I, I'm, I'm all for, yes, pray, receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Yes, pray, receive from God. Give, 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 give. But if we never take it from here and we never apply it to anybody's life and we never live in the power of what we say we've received, what good is it? If it doesn't overflow to the waitress at the restaurant, if it doesn't overflow to the girl working at the Walmart counter, oh my goodness, folks. I really should pick my notes back up at this point. This poor girl, this has been a couple months ago. I, we were at Wally World, and this poor girl was checking out. You know, She had her vest on, and I think she thought it was long enough. She had outgrown her pants. I'm not kidding you. Her pants were undone, unzipped, and she had a belt on. I wanted to say, sweetie, I can go buy you some pants. And she kept pulling her thing down. I felt so bad for her. I, I thought, my goodness, honey. We left with our stuff. I said, that poor girl. She said, what? I said, her pants were, did you not see her pants? She goes, no. I said, I couldn't help it. I was looking at the groceries and I thought, dear God, this poor thing needs clothes. And she said, are you, you think you really, I said, she had black underwear on. And I said, I saw, it, I saw skin. Folks, listen, in those moments we can, we can <laughs> gasp, reporter to a manager or I didn't know what to do I was so dumbfounded I just left and said a prayer for the girl I thought good grief I didn't want to offend her and hand her money I didn't want to go to manager and get her fired I didn't know what to do but at some point the power of Christ has got to come through us it's okay if I just don't go back to my notes for a few minutes I I stood I stood I'll never forget standing at the Sherwin Williams years ago painting a room and I was getting paint there and I walked up, took the paint up there, and the lady was doing her thing. And I just watched her, and the Spirit of God said, said, she's hurting. And I looked at her face, and I'm thinking, well, yeah, she is hurting. Yeah. And she turned around, and I said, whatever it is, it can't surely be that bad. And she just looked at me, and I said, the Lord just sent me here to let you know He loves you. And that He wants to work in your circumstance. This woman just began to weep, mixing my paint. <laughs> Weep and just tell me, listen folks, what good is an anointing if we don't use it? What good is it if we say, well, yesterday I got baptized, I spoke in tongues one time, or I spoke and I did this. Who cares? Have you, have you entered into the realm of God using you today in an anointing for today, for a situation for today, in that moment? And the only way we're going to effectively minister at those times is, the, according to the Lord, that if we will fast and pray, if we will build that relationship with God and seek out His face and allow Him to work through our lives, we're going to see the miraculous. But too often, believers are walking around in frustration, angry, uh, tired, exhausted, and oh, this is too hard. And if, if the burden is heavy and the yoke is not light and easy, then somebody's taking up too much load on themselves. Jesus says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Because we bring the stuff to Him and we lay it upon Him. I want to give you three things today. Three, three reasons, three things to help remind us and uh, in, in, in keep us in remaining effective ministry. And the first one is this, that He has given us access to Himself. We need to use it. He has given us access. 
Jesus is not just the resource. He is the source. The source of life, source of salvation, source of healing, source of forgiveness, source of mercy, source of grace, source of love, source of joy. He is the source. Amen? And so we need to access. He has invited us. He, he is not just somebody that, that we come to when we've exhausted our means. He is our means. He's all of it. You know, we see the lady with the issue of blood who has exhausted her means, all of her resources on doctors. And she didn't have it. She couldn't have anything else. She was done. And she said, if I just press through and just touch the hem of his garment. They believed that hem of his garment that he touched was actually that prayer shawl that he wore. It was hanging over him. The Jewish believers would wear the rabbis. And she thought, if I could just touch the hem of that. There's just little, little threads that hang off the end. She said, if I just touch that. And Jesus said, power went out from me. And she was healed. You know, we sometimes exhaust ourselves before we come to him. If we would just come to him first. Amen? If we would just come to him first. So he is our access. You know, I am so grateful for access. How silly is it for us to think that we have been invited into the throne room of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords as a son and daughter and we would not enter. How crazy is that? Access. You know, everything I've ever done in my life, I've had access. Anything that I've ever learned to do, anything that I've ever done well, I've had access. And I'm grateful for access. Amen? You say, what are you talking about? Well, I I play guitar, right? When I began to play guitar, I had access to people who knew how to play. I exposed myself to people who took time enough to show me some things and teach me stuff so that I could grow in that area. I had access. Welding. When I was a welder for 13 years, I learned how in a welding class. Why? I had access to people who knew. And then in my life, as I did that, I had access to other people who would teach and pour into me. I had access. When I built my home, I didn't know how to build a house. But I had access to a father-in-law and a grandfather-in-law who understood construction and those things and taught me. And so I learned, and and, and I'm not afraid to tackle any project now. Why? Because I've had access. Everything I've ever done in my life, from sports to, to, to work to church to ministry itself, I have had access. As I said earlier, Donna Delp's going to be here. David Delp is a tremendous resource for me. I love the man. I appreciate him. He's a coach and a, and a mentor to me. Why? I've had access. It's so nice to know that the things that I want to grow in, I can grow because I have access. Folks, we have access to the designer of your body, the one who designed this universe, the one who spoke things into existence. We have access to the one who who provides all things for us. Why would we not come to him on a daily basis? How silly would it be for me to, to, to defy all the, all the set things for music, for, for chords and key changes and, and all of this stuff and say, nah, I'm just going to do it my own way. Bob, those notes don't go together. I know, but I'm doing it my own way. Okay, thank you very much. And I'm leaving now. Now, there were times in my, when I was a kid, I know come, the noise coming out of the bedroom, mom and dad thought, oh, dear God. My, my favorite was the, I, when I learned how to play the national anthem finally. I'd be playing, it'd be like 11.30 at night. They're like, can you knock it off, Jimi Hendrix, you know? <laughs> they didn't say that, but I wish they would have. And so I would, I would before I go to bed, I'd go, and they really appreciated that. 
access. Listen to what Ephesians 2 says, verses 17 and 18. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 22. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water. Anytime, on any day, at any moment, I can approach my Heavenly Father and I can receive from Him. Why? I have access. I was invited in. You guys remembered a few years back that I was blessed enough to get to go to the Super Bowl with my friend. And I was, all I was there, I was, just testing, uh, I was just testing Wi-Fi connections. That's all I was doing all day like this. A few times I'm like on TV, say, honey, you see me on TV? There's a delay. Wait a few seconds. And about 10, 15 seconds later, they hear everybody at mom and dad's, ah, I had this thing on my, around my neck that I wore. I had all access. There was a big green thing that said all access. I could go anywhere. Anywhere. If I had a good reason to go in the locker room, I could have, but I wasn't going to push it and get my buddy in trouble. So besides that, those men are large. It's close enough to them that I was like, Lord Jesus, save us all. But I, I, I mean, I could walk anywhere. There were security guys. They had the thing in the air and they stood at every door like this. And uh, I would just kind of look at them and walk up. And they go, so I go in. I want to walk across the field. And uh, I didn't want to push it. I didn't want to get my buddy in trouble. And uh, he said, sure, walk across the field. And there's security guys standing there at the steps. And, and I just kind of went. And he goes, It's really cool to have access. But listen, there's something greater than, than the New Orleans Superdome or whatever it's called. There's something better. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, has His security. His angels are standing out the door. And you go, in the blood of Jesus, and they go, you can come in. Folks, anytime, any day, any moment, you can ask God. The Scripture says to ask, seek, and knock. It's talking about ask, and it'll be given to you. Knock, and the door will be open. Folks, Listen. Seek and you will find access. That's what God's calling us to. When he talks, Jesus talks about the unmerciful judge and, and the woman outside knocking and beating on the door. He doesn't want to deal with it, but he'll deal with it because of her persistence. God is not unmerciful. He's a merciful judge. You don't have to beat on a door and beg. He's going to respond to his children. We need to take opportunity of that access and come to him. However... Too often churches and and people, especially in Pentecostal charismatic realms, view prayer and fasting almost as a manipulation of God. That's not what it is. Okay, When Jesus said prayer and fasting is how it comes out, he's not saying this is how you manipulate God. What he's saying is is he's calling them into a deeper relationship with himself. You say, what are you talking about? It's not a formula of demon casting out. Okay, for example, the seven sons of Sceva, I'm not going to read it just for the sake of time. They went around to cast devils out of people and there were seven of them there and they walk into one demon-possessed guy and they say, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, we command thee to leave. And the devil goes, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who are you? And he whoops them, all seven of them, runs them out of the house naked. That's bad. That's a bad day. He's like, well, I went in to cast the devil out and the devil cast me out. All of us, naked, 
That's a bad day. Why? Because they used it as a manipulation. Now hear what I'm saying to you. Too often times, we act more like the seven sons of Sceva than we do the sons of God. And we want to go around and, and say great things and, and proclaim great things that God's going to do over people, but we ourselves aren't even pursuing Him and knowing Him ourselves. We've got to be people of prayer and fasting. We've got to be people who are pressing ourselves to go deeper in knowledge and understanding of God. We want to go to an intimate place of relationship. I said this in the first service. I've been off track a lot today. My wife and I have been finishing sentences more this last month than I think we have in the last 25 years that we've been married. Like there, she, there was something the other day that I won't bore you with the whole story. I'm right in it. I'll just say that. I'm right. She's wrong. I'm right. But something had come up and it involved paint. And I said, I think we got more paint down there. So I don't want to have to buy more paint to change the whole color of the room. She wants to repaint the whole room. And I said, I'm not doing that. And she said, it'll look better. I said, I don't care. It's not how we're doing it. And so then I can't find the paint. And she just goes. (laughs) So we had this whole mind argument back and forth. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to say anything. It's like, and then she's like. And so you go. And she's like, <laughs> needless to say, the room's going to be painted sometime in the next week or so. But my, but my point is this. We knew the thoughts, okay, because of the relationship. Hear me. We knew what the other was thinking because of the relationship. We've been finishing sentences. She'll start something and then like <coughs> cough and I'll say the finish of it. And Alyssa will sit across the room and go, you guys are freaking me out. Why? It's an intimacy thing. It's, it's knowing each other. And that's what God's called us to do. And folks, that takes time. That takes prayer. That takes sacrifice. It's not for manipulation. How many of you love it when the only time somebody comes around is when they want something? I'm not going there, husbands and wives. Neighbors. People, you know, oh, hey, how you doing? It's like, oh, I haven't heard from you in a while. How you doing? Oh, doing well. Hey, you, got, you still got that? Uh... Yep. Why do we treat God? If we don't like being treated that way, why do we treat Him like that? It's not about a manipulation. I'm going to fast and pray so God can do You know how that sounds? That sounds like the prophets of Baal who said, let's cut ourselves and then we'll convince our God to react. No. Prayer and fasting is about us growing deeper in Christ, deeper in the knowledge of the Father, deeper in relationship with Him, so that He can work in our lives and work through our lives. Again, it, there's going to come a point where you cannot do anything. You can't beat the devil out of Him. You can't persuade the devil out of Him. You can't medicate the devil out of Him. We have to believe that there is a power of Christ in us that wants to move through us. And folks, you can connect yourselves to doctors. You can connect yourselves to rods. You can connect yourself to whatever you think that's going to fix it. But I'm telling you, until we connect ourselves deeply with the Father, it's not moving. Secondly, I'll try to do faster on these next two. He has given us a revelation of the Word. Not only has He given us access to Him in prayer, He's given us access to Himself in the Word. The Word of God is is ever speaking to us. It's ever convicting us. It's ever encouraging us. It's ever challenging us. It's ever moving us forward to becoming more and more like Christ. Here's the problem though. It's the revelation of God to man, but sometimes the only times we pick up the Word to read it is we'll find it and pick it up when something really bad has happened. Now, I don't want to judge anybody. I've done the same thing. The reality of it is though is we need to be people of the letter who constantly are reading it. People who are ever seeking out God's face so that it's here when the time comes. We've got to hide it in our hearts. 
We have no reason to be ignorant. We do not serve a deaf or mute God. Our God is alive. His word is alive. It's active. His words, like his vision, have substance. Spiritual things and natural things react to his word. Again, you say, Pastor, that's really weird. But yet in Genesis chapter 1, we see the spirit of God hovering over the waters of the earth when it was dark and without form, just waiting for the voice of God to pierce through that darkness and to break through the silence and tell it to move. And immediately things begin to happen. Folks, our God's voice is full of substance and it will move us much like the wind will move a a, a sailboat on the sea. We've got to allow God to minister to us, and His Word is powerful. The Scripture says it's sharper than any double-edged sword. It has an effect on our body. It has an effect on our spirit. It has an effect on our lives. And here's what I love about Jesus. He says, how long must I remain with you? The Holy Spirit recorded this for us in His Word. How long must I remain with you? And He knew how long we were going to need Him, didn't He? That's why the scripture was recorded and left and it says it's the eternal word of God and it's not going to pass away. He said, my word will never pass away. It will be with us from now through eternity. It's never going to pass away. How long must I have, how how long must I stay here with you? How long do I got to put up with you? The next part we're talking about is the spirit. Folks, how long? Well, he said, it's beneficial for you if I go away because if I go away, then the comforter can come. Jesus knew that we needed him every day for the rest of our lives. All of us are jacked up. All of us. Everybody just stop right now. Look to the person on your right. Look at them. Stay looking at them. They're jacked up. Look to your left. They're jacked up. Macy, look long at Doug. He's really messed up. Doug, these, these two are getting married here this summer. And Doug didn't look back left. He just kept gazing at Macy. He's jacked up, Macy. Listen, we're all messed up, and God knew we were messed up. we got to have Him. It was a rhetorical question. How long do I have to stay here? Anybody in their right mind say, Lord, (laughs) I'm jacked up. I need you to stay a long time. I'm messed up. Without His Spirit, without His presence. Folks, that's why we should be people of prayer, people of, of, of fasting, because I need Him. And when I do open up the Word, I see the accounts of natural men, natural women that are doing extraordinary things in the power of the Spirit of God. Over and over and over again. Folks, I'm not going to go through them all because I don't want to bore you with it. But every Old Testament word, every Old Testament account where we see the power of Christ moving in people's lives, that's the Holy Spirit. Everything Jesus did was by the power of the Spirit inside of Him. Everything that the disciples did, it was by cultivating that power and presence in their lives. The only way we're going to see the power of God move in our lives is when we move in prayer and in study of His Word. Thirdly and lastly, He's given us His Spirit. He's given us access to the throne room through prayer. He's given us access through His Word. And He has accessed us. By the deposit of His Spirit. Folks, Zechariah 4.6, the message was this. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Some people say Zerubbabel. Some people say Zerubbabel. Some people say Zerubbabel. That guy, that guy with the Z. Not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord Almighty. That right there, folks, if we can grasp that, Here's this priest doing this great work for the Lord. And the word is, is not by might, not by power. Not in your own strength, Mr. Z. 
Not in your own power. Listen, Mr. B needs to figure that out sometimes too. So does Mr. and Mrs. U. Right? So many times we mess things up by throwing ourselves in it, but you know, the disciples dealt with this young boy. They could not have, as I said, persuaded the devil out, but at some point we're going to run into something where we're going to need something outside of our toolbox and we're going to need God. And I encourage all of us to make sure that the Spirit is working in us daily because God wants to move in those situations when we cannot move ourselves. You know, you cannot change it. You cannot do it in and of yourself. So we have to rest in the power of Christ. And this is the purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is the purpose of God moving in our lives. This many of us responded up here earlier when we prayed listen it's not pastor bob did this that's god doing this why we believe in the power of the spirit of god to work in our lives i if i could remove myself completely from the equation and i have sometimes just allow god to do his own thing that's awesome god is so cool and people tell me preacher you know you're gonna do church you need to do it this way that's when it's powerful preacher so what's, what's the key? What's the plan of, of, of seeing God move in mighty ways and healings in your church? Well, you've got to talk. You've got to talk like this. Ha! Ha! Lord's going to come down on you today. Some people say, well, preacher, you need to be extremely reverent and speak in the King James. Thou shalt come forth to be touched of the Lord. Others, listen, folks, I am so beyond trying to mimic what everybody else does. I'm just sick of it. I'm tired of being told what to do. You ever get sick of being told what to do? Here's why. Because it's not me, it's God anyway. I, I, have to, I have to just go to my prayer closet. I've got to seek the Lord on a daily basis. I've got to try to find something to say. Amen. A word. And if I have nothing, then bless God, let's just turn over to Him and see what He does. I don't, I, I'm just not into this thing of, preacher, it's got to look this way and act this way. I, it's got to be by the Spirit. It can't be in any kind of way uh, that, that I do things. In Acts 1.8, Jesus said, But you will receive power when the Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The power of Christ in your life. This is, this is the kind of work that the Lord was saying would take place in a Spirit-filled life. It's not talking about great services, even though I'm sure the services are great. We always want to recreate Pentecost. You know, the reality of it is, is God just wants to send us out as servants empowered by him. If that happens in a service, that's fine. If that happens in a home, that's fine. If that happens in your prayer closet, that's fine. But go do something. Amen. And do it in the power of Christ. Don't try to do it by persuasion and by trying to say, well, I talk this way or I do it this way. It's got to be done by the power of Christ himself. And we know that the scripture says that if we will ask the Father will give us His Spirit when we need it. In closing, the Spirit of Christ. Cool story. Um, we had, uh, I had to do a funeral yesterday. Um, right now, some of you are saying, that's a cool story. Uh, a friend of ours, Todd Chapman, who had been coming here a few times, he'd moved to Covington um, from Attica, uh, Todd had uh, been connected with Jeremy, and um, they came to church, and Jeremy told me before he came, he said, hey, Todd's, my friend's coming, but he's, he's kind of nervous about whether or not he'll be accepted, and uh, so he, he says, I said, why would he say that? He said, well, he's got, he's got tattoos all over his neck and down his arms, and he doesn't know how church would receive him, and I said, 
cares about tattoos? It's tattoos, you know. But I realize there's times where people are very negative and legalistic. And he said, Andy's had, he's had a history. He's been in prison. And uh, I said, I got a son in prison. I'm, what am I going to do? Beat him up for it? I mean, tell him to come to church. So he came to church and um, we talked. And in, in conversation, I said, it's good to meet you, you know. And so conversation kind of turned, shifted, and went towards his past, you know, and his... Uh, and I'm one of those weird pastors. I admire body art. It's like, that's nice, actually. It did some good work on you on that one, you know. And uh, he says, <laughs> I said, so where did you, where'd you do your time at? He said, I was in Michigan City for however many years. I said, it's a tough place. He said, yeah. I said, I had an uncle that was up there for a little bit. He said, really? I said, yeah. I said, he, uh, he said, what dates? I said, well, he was up there kind of in this range. He said, that's when I was there. He said, what was his name? So I told him his name, and he goes, are you serious? I know him. I knew him. He actually did a couple of my tattoos. (laughs) You want to know how cool God is? I'll tell you how cool God is. That wasn't manipulated. That was just God. Well, okay, we're going to plug him into a church where there's a preacher that's got a son in prison, so he's not going to be mean to prisoners. Uh, a guy that his uncle, who's also in prison, and a tattoo artist, has, uh, does some tattoos on this. I think we're going to just move Todd right here. Todd came to know the Lord Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. He's only with us for around here in the church, off and on, and because he was on house arrest. Folks, listen, you, you can't make this stuff up. He couldn't be here all the time, but, but uh, Jeremy, man, this, this is the fruit of Jeremy Wise ministering to this man. And uh, he, he is in heaven today. He, he dropped dead, folks, Wednesday. Just out of the blue, 42 years old. Uh, no longer using, no longer addicted to, to drugs. Uh, growing in grace, contacting people begging forgiveness for past sins. I mean, this is a guy where God was working in him. That's how cool our God is. Why do we feel like we have to manipulate things and throw ourselves in and say, well, I've got to do this and this and this, when the reality of it is, is we just need to connect ourselves through prayer and fasting with the power of the Holy Spirit and trust Him to use us when the opportunity comes. It's that simple. Something else happened to me yesterday. I had a Weird day. I get up, I get a haircut, first thing. And April's like, I'm doing the best I can, but you've not given me much to work with. <laughs> I said, it looks a little long on this side. She said, well, it's thicker on that. you got more hair on that side than you got on this side. I said, well, try to, try to balance it or something. She's trying. So if it's crooked, it's not her fault. It's my fault. I leave there. Lissa leaves to get her hair and makeup done for prom. I go through my notes for a funeral. I go to the funeral. Do the funeral. Was, it was good. It went well. Rush out of there. Rush back to be with my daughter. Getting her picture taken for prom at the fountain. And several other young ladies in the church. They all looked beautiful. It was awesome. And then I said, I'm hungry. And so we went to Benjamin's and ate something. And I walked out to my car. And I, I grabbed my, my fob, you know. And I go... (laughs) 
So I said, good thing about this little fob, baby. I said, if this ever happens, I mean, you can pull that little key out right there. You can just put that in the door and turn it, and it'll just open up, and then you can start the car, whatever. So, so I take the key, and I put it back in. I said, the key, the battery must be dead in the fob. So I had some friends drive us down to Dollar General, um, and I, I yelled and annoyed your sister you'd have been really proud of me Richie they put that little bell up there and expect people not to go ding 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 anyway I left with a new battery and I come back to the car and I go nothing happened and I looked at April and I said your keys and your purse in the car isn't it she goes yes and I went I got to get in. Even if our battery's dead, I got to unlock the car. So I go in, I see Shannon Foster, who's inside. I'd been picking on him, and then I felt really bad. He's a cop. And I said, hey, I, I need to get in my car. So he called the county guy. wasn't far. The county guy shows up. And uh, he said, what's the problem? Is this? I said, I did check. It is my car. It's the right car. He said, okay. So he, he goes over, and he says, what is it? And I said, this thing ain't working. He said, well, let me try it. And he put it, I said, I told you it ain't going to work. I don't know what's going on. So he looks at me, and he says, have you tried this key? I said, it's the wrong car. And he goes, I said, how did it? Anytime April rides with me, it's in her car. I had my car yesterday when I went to the funeral. (laughs) That's pretty much the reaction that Shannon Foster and the canine officer from Fountain County and other people who were there. Bruce and Pam Whitfield tried to help us. Thank God they were in the restaurant when that was all discovered. And I, I walked away and I'm thinking to myself, you're, you're an idiot. But it's just been a big day. You know what I'm saying? And at some point when you own three Camrys and two of them are the same color, just different year, it's going to catch up. But as I was driving home, the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit said, Bob, you know, you're talking tomorrow about the power of the Holy Spirit. And I said, yes. And he says, so many times we're doing this in our own power and nothing changes. Do you know how frustrating it was for me? I was tired. I was ready to go home and nothing was happening. I was angry and frustrated. And folks, the whole time the answer was right here. And it's the same way in our spiritual lives. We try to do everything we can for for a family member, for a sickness situation, for whatever it is. And we carry the weight of it for so long and we keep pressing the same buttons. And what the Lord is calling us today to do is to empower our lives by using the right key, which is prayer. Fasting. Getting to know Him a little bit. You won't walk away quite so frustrated, I promise. Amen. If you have done this before, in the spiritual sense, don't beat yourself up. We've all fallen short. Amen? But I challenge you as your pastor. We've already kind of had altar time, so I'm not going to do that. But but I challenge you as your pastor. If you don't have a prayer life at all, start. If you don't have a devotional life at all, start. You have access to God. And He wants to access you by the power of His Spirit. All we have to do is we ask to receive. If you who are evil, 
You fathers who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? You can have the key in your life that's powerful enough to lay hands on your children when they have a fever. You have enough power to believe. One, some of the most awesome things are the times when Alyssa, who she had burned herself in Florida, she was ignorant and stayed out too long. She got burned bad. And she called home, and I'm proud of her. She says, I just need you guys to pray over me. We've got to get to that point to where we, we come to a place where we know prayer is the power of what we're doing. It's the power that pushes the button of the Holy Spirit. And it cannot be based upon manipulation. It's got to be based in relationship. So today you say, Pastor, I want that. I want that kind of relationship with God. Will you just acknowledge it with an uplifted hand? I want that. I'm not going to make you drag out or anything else. God. I want to know. I want to know that I know that I know that I know Christ and I want to know him. I want to know his thoughts. I want to finish his sentences. I want to be able to walk into a situation and carry the peace and power and presence of God. I want to be able to pray and lay hands on people and walk away knowing that God heard my prayer and he's moving in that that situation. And that's what you just acknowledged. And we're going to pray over you that you would receive that. Amen. Father, we just come to you this morning. You're a good God. You're a gracious God. Lord, we're tired of doing things in our own strength. We want to give them to you. We want to give situations to you. And Lord, there were a lot of people that raised their hands saying, I I want that sensitivity of, of, of knowing the thoughts of my Father. Lord, I pray that right now for each one of those in this room, that you would just begin to pour yourself into them to such a way, Lord, that tomorrow when they go throughout their day, they're going to have thoughts of you. They're going to remember this message. They're going to know every time they unlock their car, the power of prayer. Every time that they get in their vehicle and put the key in and it starts up, they may laugh at their pastor for his mistake, but they're going to remember a powerful God who hears them when he call out to him, who hears them when they have needs, who cares about their needs. This one that they're going to build relationship with, this father that's invited them in. Lord, I pray that they would grow sensitive to the leading of your spirit and you would lead them just as you blow. The wind blows a sailboat across the ocean. I pray that across the seas of our lives in each of our individual journeys, Lord, you would blow us to where we need to be and that you would fill us with the wind of your spirit so that we could do the work that you've called us to do. God, we need you today and I pray and we ask together that you would just fill us overflowing with the power of your spirit lead us and guide us in righteousness and as we obey your word together father we praise you and I pray lord as these folks go their separate ways that you would go with them that you would bless every home every home would just begin to shift to a god moment a god understanding Spirit-filled home. And Lord, I realize that when that happens, sometimes as this demon saw Christ, it threw itself into a frenzy. I realize sometimes when there's a shift in the Spirit, sometimes there's conflict that follows. But Lord, you're greater. And I pray overcoming for each one and the power of your presence in each home. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.